From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about The Wandering Earth, 2019, and it's directed by, I believe, Frant Guo. And it's a movie which is about that the sun is dying and everyone on Earth has to come together and unite to overcome this problem. And they decide radically to make Earth into a, a spaceship, basically, don't they, Sorry, It's a, well, you call it an arc ship yeah, in okay. science fiction terminology. Sounds good. Or a generation ship. So they want to shift Earth literally out of our solar system and into a new solar system, which is going to take, I think, 1,500 years or 2,500 years two, yeah, to get two to and, destination. Two and a half thousand. So it's a big plan. It's a long-term plan. And, however, on this journey, they reach... Jupiter's orbit, which sucks Earth towards it, causing some really dangerous elements. So that's the setup. So some primary conflict. That's right. <laughs> um, and it's available right now on Netflix. So turn back now if you have not seen the movie and go watch it and then tune back in. Tune back in. So what was your number one takeaway, Surrey, from The Wandering Earth? Um, my n number one takeaway is uh, I always get stuck on it because I think through all the possibilities. Yeah, yeah. No, no, hold on, just one. No, okay, number one, number one takeaway from from this is that even in Chinese movies, Russians drink a lot of vodka. <laughs> they do. They're known for it. And it was a, well, it was a great plot point as well, wasn't it? The it was a little what do they call that? The uh, red herring, I think. Don't they? Oh, no, no, that's like Chekhov's gun. So if you yeah. show it in the first act, it has to be used by the Later third on. act. Later yeah. on, and there was a couple of them in this movie, and I was like, oh, take note of that. Yeah, they've got a MacGuffin as well. Yes. Their, their reactor core, lighter core, whatever it is. Yep. But the, it's, it's just the thing they have to, their quest object that they have to take. It doesn't really do anything on its own, but <laughs> no. it was required that they take it there, part of their trials of you know, strength and endurance. Definitely, yeah. I was, I was wondering about that big boulder thing. But yeah, definitely. Um, so, Mark, how about you? Would you classify this as a movie of hope, an experiment, or a warning? I reckon hope. And they literally spell it out to us in this movie that hope, at the start, she has no hope, and at the end, she has hope. It's like a, and, like a diamond or something, yeah, she's saying. Yeah. It's a very moving speech. It was a moving speech. But they, there is the question of hope a couple of times throughout the film. Um, so I think the th there's a strong theme of hope in this movie, but I think it is hope because the idea is uh, at the start, it's very kind of uh, a negative world, you know, like in that opening montage where in a, you know, the earth is in a lot of trouble. Um, and I kind of automatically started thinking, oh, you know, global warming and stuff like that. But no, it's that the sun is rapidly expanding and it's going to swallow us up in a couple of hundred years. 
And even there, like he says, Earth had to get together. Mm. I think in a very Chinese cultural way, this movie does portray like oh, Earth coming together in a bit of a Chinese way. You know, like it's so efficient. Yeah. I did, I did wonder then and there whether other countries like Australia would really jump on that as, as quickly or I, I, efficiently as the Chinese, you know? Consider- they are so efficient, aren't they? These con- sorts of- considering that we are facing a climate yeah, crisis. <laughs> doing anything. <laughs> and you still get these, these turkeys who... Well, all of us. Wish, wash, backs and forwards. Oh, but what's the cost of that going to be? Yeah. Like, yeah, well, how about avoiding annihilation? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, just on that, for example, you know, China signed up to the Paris Agreement. And yeah, they are a big polluter because they are a big population. But they signed up with those Paris um, climate talks that happened a few years ago. Australia got an expansion of their pollution level. That was our contribution to that. Mm. China uh, agreed on a decrease. They actually met their target uh, 18 months before their original target. So that's what I meant by this efficiency in this movie with what was the idea of saving Earth. Like it felt very... Like this solution is very Chinese, I reckon. And it's, it's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. They're all very efficient about it. But it did make me wonder, oh, I don't know if Australia would come on board that quickly yeah. or America. Try, or, and, try and convince yeah. America or, <laughs> or the UK and all these yeah. things. I, anyway, so, well, so what, what I was just sorry, I've gone off tangent a little yeah. bit. But at the, at the beginning, it feels a bit dark and bleak, the father and the son, and we have to do this. But even that in, a, in an isolated plot point, Earth came together and there's a bit of hope. But really, there's a long journey to kind of try to get to somewhere good. And, and the film does that. I think there's lots of tribulations in this film for all of the characters. Uh, but at the end of the day, hope does kind of run, you know, work out. So that's where I sat on it. Hope. How about you? Uh, absolutely, it's a hope. There's no warning in this because there's a little bit of uh, conflict from an artificial intelligence. Yeah. But nothing that was really, it was a, just an irritation more than mm-hmm. it wasn't really a major plot. Yeah, sort of blocker or, or challenge. Uh, it was a little homage to two thousand and one. Yeah, it, well, the the look of it with the red sort of glow and that and they boxy it, look. They moss. boss, which I thought was good. You know, boss. Boss. Oh, it was moss in the dubbed one. Was uh, the the subtitled one? Oh, I felt well. It felt like they kept saying boss on the dubbed version. Maybe they did. We'll talk about that in our viewing experience. So yeah, that that's uh, what we think about it. What have you been up to yourself in the creative field? Creative fields. Oh, I'm still editing my books. Mm. Uh, I did an interview on another podcast, yep. which will be joining the Gravity Undone yeah, cool. site, in fact. So that's nice. There's a very pleasant fellow called Vincent King. He's yep. an author and devil may care flying fool <laughs> from the States. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, Alabama. Oh, gosh, I hope that's right. He's, he's going to be great. Certainly, certainly down there. In the well, he can of... correct us, can't he? He can reach us. Yeah. So, Vincent, if you want to correct <laughs> If you're not going to listen to this. But I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, awesome. So, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, not a lot. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be starting up on that new sci-fi series, Other Life. It hasn't had great reviews, but, you know, I think it's worth my while watching it. Yeah, we'll go in like we do with uh, Space Brains. Joy watch it and mm. see what you can get out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's, that's what I've been doing, just a, a lot of editing there and um, trying to record some music as well. Mm. I've got a, a cover song, an acoustic version of a song that I'm, I'm supposed to be recording 
for a, an audio drama mm. that it's being yeah put together. that's not science fiction but yeah yeah but you know it's in the creative it's nice it's a nice bit of music so yeah keep an eye I'll, I'll let you know more about that when it's recorded and, mm. and available very good i won't be singing i'm just playing the guitar okay fair enough and yourself, uh, how's your script and all that sort of thing? Yeah, the, I've actually put in for the Screen West fast pitch application. So it's a development fund. So I've actually put in uh, that, that same script. So, yeah, yeah it's for $20,000 and that is to sort of, they want to know what you'd spend that twenty grand on. So I sort of broke that down for them. But working off, yeah, the bit of feedback I got at that director's immersive and then this was sort of the, is the logical next step. Fingers crossed that that comes through. That'd be really great. So twenty thousand. That seems a lot for what? What would you expect for development? What are you expected uh, to do with that? So they there is information like Australian rates. Uh, for example, a script editor would cost you about six thousand dollars, and that's for a full edit of a whole draft. Versus say like a script reader, Australian rates are something like five hundred to a thousand. You know, and that's very different. That's just a read through feedback. Yeah. A, a script editor would actually go through everything you know um so that might take them a week or two weeks i think it probably going at those rates something like that you know um and then also to pay yourself like a writer's fee uh to develop from that edit uh and i also put a little bit of money in there for a table read so the idea of having actors and oh, that would be you know, so cool just in, like one day I, I looked up the actor rates for one day full time you know for professional so actors. do you like record that as well? well you could yeah you definitely could but just for that purpose of listening and mm. you know running through the script well I, I thought recording would be great because trying to when you're at the table you probably go oh yeah that that sounds really awkward or that yeah, doesn't well, sound true yeah. to or that sounds really good you just doing the scribble notes, I'm sure you do that. But yeah. having a video to watch back and go, yeah. So you compare your notes to what you saw again, yep. and you could, yeah. And I think also you could get. You've mentioned it with recording for your audio podcast, um, your audio drama stuff. Like you could realize that line's not right like that, and the actor might as well. And the actor might say, "Oh, this would be better like this," you know, mm. or that your there needs to be a beat there that's not in the script, or you know, like there's, there's the, just that. So I thought that would be a cool idea that. That kind of comes out at about two thousand dollars because I need six actors. So you, um, yeah, you're just paying them that base rate, something like three fifty for the day. Um, And yeah, I'd imagine you'd be able to run through the script probably twice or something like that with them over a course of a day. Yeah, yeah, you probably do like a a quick go through and then a. Yeah, and they might have. I don't know. You might maybe you spend a bit of time at the start, like you know, talking about the characters themselves and stuff like that. But yeah, that was an idea that actually from the director's thing, one of those directors said that they do like they do a table read of a script um, with the cast that they've got, and sometimes actually decides if the script needs a bit more reworking or not, even at that stage where it's ready to go. So it's just for development that that application. It's not. Um, you know, to take it into film. But the yeah. thing is, if you're successful with that, you're then more likely to go to that next step, you know? No, oh, well, if you can... I'd imagine if you're presenting your script to anyone who might even consider producing it, they would probably ask, yeah, have you had this edited? Have Before I even look at it, Has this? have you had someone else Correct. go over it? Have you done a, anything... Yeah. at all or is this something totally raw yeah especially when you're on what they call in the film industry you're you need screen credits you know and so yeah. I, yeah i've made films but what they mean by screen credits is they mean ones that have been funded mm. by people like screen west or screen australia or they've been in cinemas 
So, you know, like if you just make a short film and it goes to festivals or you put it online, that doesn't count. It has to be shown in cinema. Yeah, well, they want a commercial product. Yeah, they want to. It doesn't have to have succeeded no. such, but they want to. They want to see that previously you have done something. So again, if you get if you're coming out there with a script going, this is the best script ever. It might be, but your first response from a, a producer with screen credits is like, you're a writer with no screen credit. Uh, you know, <laughs> like it's a risk. It's a risk. So have you had a script editor with credits? Have a look at it. Actually, I have, and they like it. Oh, yeah. okay. Let's let's have a discussion. You know, so. Anyway, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and then just also got a couple of little, uh, I've mentioned before, just trying to move towards making a couple of little shorts coming up. So, yeah, fictional short. So just sort of the baby steps towards that. <laughs> no, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so it'll be good. Just trying to keep plodding along with it, yeah. Yeah. Excellent, yeah. I'm going to be writing a, a science fiction book maybe next. I've got this idea that's yep. coming, but so, but I've, I've got to get, through my current mm. workload at the moment, it's otherwise, yeah. Yep. I haven't won Powerball yet. <laughs> That's right. $150 million. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that would be what would be amazing about that 20 grand by paying myself as well as, um, you know, I could take three weeks off work, for example, my day job, and just commit to, you know, spending six hours a day mm. on the script. You know what I mean? Like, and working with a script editor. And I, and I guess that's why they... They sort of include that in there yeah, because, yeah. because like, like likewise, if I was going to be doing anything along those lines, to do a proper, you want to give it your best shot. Yeah, you you right. can't just be sort of trying to pull an hour or two out yeah. after work when the that's kid's gone right. to bed. Yeah. So by paying yourself, and I think that the industry with any of those funds, they're big on that. Like they, that's why it's like industry rates and stuff like that. Like they don't, you know, being a funding body, they're not. They don't want anyone to be underpaid. It's not cash in hand. It's all official above board, you know, because they are, at the end of the day, those bodies are trying to encourage more jobs mm. in the industry. So they want to keep, you know, if everyone just gets paid cash and a couple hundred bucks, well, it's not an industry, is it? You know, so. No, people aren't going to have the commitment. No, no. So fine when you're starting out, but need to take it to that next step. So we should um, break a bit into the plot and the cast and all that. I gave that little blurb at the start. It's The Wandering Earth by Frant Guo. I and I think we're going to give a, a really big disclaimer on this one. I said the names in this are obviously all Chinese yes. and being obviously not Chinese. <laughs> in fact, by me using the phrase Chinese rather than the actual Chinese phrase for Chinese, yeah. you can tell I have That's no fine. clue. Yeah, so those, those names is... And I, I, looking at this on IMDb after watching, um, Frant also was one of the writers, but five writers. You know, it was a intensive writing group that, isn't it? So I'm not sure why that was the case. I didn't. There wasn't any information about that. But um, and it seemed that it wasn't like people have been brought on at different times. I think they've written this as a group or something. So well, it is yeah. derived from a novella. Yep. The Wandering Earth, which is uh, a lot slower paced and more in depth, and it actually travels over several generations. Yeah. Of so there's different uh, different aspects of the the uh, various issues that come up. Yeah over the generations of this wandering earth. So I think maybe maybe they just said straight up they went, okay, this trying to turn this into a single movie. Mm. And it's a two hour movie, so yeah. it's a it's a longish one, but even still, trying to turn all of that content yeah. into something that's like a, a, a blockbuster science fiction action movie. Yeah. I think yeah, maybe asking maybe they weren't confident or maybe they just saw this as a crisis and they came together. Yeah. 
and yeah. with their hope, they built a billion-dollar movie. That's right. Um, and I think that you, you've just said it then, and that's something I wanted to say right here on the outset, that this is a Chinese blockbuster. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, it, and, it, and it runs the gauntlet you know, with any of American or Hollywood blockbusters. And I think you're, we're probably seeing with a film like this that they're, they're matching it, really, don't you think? Like, uh, I think so. It's, 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 this had a very, very sort of uh, as a disaster-style film yeah. feeling. Yeah. And it, it really matched things like... Uh, you know, the day after tomorrow or yeah. Armageddon, Armageddon, those sorts of yeah. Armageddon is probably the closest yeah. style. You know, it's, yeah, it's going into space and multiple characters. Yeah, there's different characters in there, and they've got action struggles and a bit of emotional content there with dads and children and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just I just wanted to note that that it doesn't come across looking cheap or nasty or foreign, you know, coming from a point of view of watching a lot of American films and sometimes you can notice that difference in quality. The, the quality is really in this well, movie. This movie here, it was one of the highest grossing, I think it was the, the highest grossing Chinese film, mm. something like $600, $700 million in its uh, box office taking. Yeah, right. And it's, so yeah, so it's, it's very popular in China. Yeah. Did very well and I think it was because they've, they've pulled little stops and they've gone, well, we can do, you know, high action yeah. blockbuster type stuff yeah. too. And we've seen a lot of this, I can say from a little bit of knowing inside the film industry, there's, there is a lot of Australian Chinese co-productions that have been happening maybe for the last 10 to 15 years and they've built up a bit in intensity. And I think from what people in the industry are saying, what they've tried to do is they've made them co-productions with, Australia, with Australian creative people and they've been trying to learn a lot about, you know, how to make films. For the you know like for the Western audience in a way, so they've sort of they because that, that's what this film sort of felt like a bit. It felt like a Western film, but it was just Chinese. But it was interesting because I watched a movie on Netflix, uh, I don't know a few months ago now, called The Great Wall. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that one. So that is uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, like <laughs> Matt Damon. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> South Park. Yeah, <laughs> but if Matt Damon wants to contact you, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so but that was a funny movie because that wasn't promoted as a Matt Damon. I, was, I didn't even realise until I was watching the movie and on walks yeah. Matt Damon and there's a couple other guys I definitely recognise. It was um, William Defoe. Okay, yeah. He was, he was the, the alchemist Westerner fellow who was also trying to get away from the war but mm. was kind of stuck. Okay. So there's a few sort of big Western names but that was definitely, that felt like a Chinese movie. Right. And it was, I had a look, it was... A, co-production yep but that sort of felt a lot like uh maybe it was an american movie trying to get some play in china right they've gone uh, that up but way. but they sort of kept so they had yeah matt damon as, as the primary lead yeah but then they had a couple of the chinese stars were yeah. big names in their own right as well yeah and so, i suppose that's the thing with this like i mean i don't know the actors the chinese actors they didn't try to do that there's no american actors in there they're you know they're all chinese but um but the the feel of the movie did feel like Armageddon or, or Deep Impact or, you know, um, as you said, The Day After Tomorrow, like one of these big sort of survival mm. movies, you know, um, big action scenes, big sequences, uh, you know, never-ending kind of over the, complication. Over-the-top yes. uh, you know, drama, like, crisis, yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, the so whole, 
well, the whole planet is being moved yeah, that's right. and it's going to fall into Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. And like the same, same as like... The, you know, everything, isn't it? It's like the trucks are, you know, hooning down a snowfield freeway and smashing into each other. It's all that sort of high octane action. Mm. You know, it's definitely science fiction, this film, but there's big action moments. And they even managed to get a minigun in there like, yeah. a, <laughs> like, like we saw with Predator last That's time. right. Yes, they did, didn't they? So, yeah, that's a little bit... Um, so the writing credits go out to Gong Gia, John Si, Yan Dongzu, friend Guo. I do apologise. Sorry, sorry, apologise. Yeah. I'm apologising. And this one, Yang Zaizu. Probably, probably Ji Shu. Ji Shu. There you go. A little bit better than that. Because I had a friend and work colleague in Canberra whose name was, uh, well, we call him John, but his first name was actually Jian. Yeah. Hence John. And his last name was XU, which was Shu. Shu, yeah, but it, yeah. So, so we've got this. Because I do know a couple of people that are Chinese and they, they have like the XU and it's not, it's not Yeah, it's something totally. That's because there's like a thousand dialects. <laughs> yeah. And it's fantastic culturally, isn't it, for that way. So, and um, yeah, this was, you said big blockbuster, made a lot of money in the Chinese uh, box office. And obviously someone like Netflix are very clever to put this on there. Um, streaming service, I think, because, you know, you've got that built-in audience in China and then you've got, well, people like you and I that are interested in different types of films and mm. willing to give things a go. Netflix makes it just the perfect portal, doesn't it? So let's go through the plot, eh? So as we said, at the start of the film, we've got kind of a opening montage of the father and son emotional scene. And we've got, but it is a bit of a montage start, isn't it? Because we get told quite a bit about what's going. Yeah, we had a little, little quick rundown of uh, the sun is going to have a helium flash and it's going to expand and basically swallow off our solar system. Yeah, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a real thing. It's not a real thing that's yeah. going to happen to our sun. Yeah, it, you know, there's some really small infinitesimal chance that maybe, but no, basically not. Okay. It happens to suns in the red giant phase okay. so so give our son a few billion years and yeah you're in danger of this happening yeah so the the for the purpose of this story they've sped that up they've well yeah i years. i think that what they're basically saying is we, we got it wrong yeah it can happen so we have this montage you know the earth is kind of dying a bit because of it we're getting solar flares um if if something's not done uh within the next 300 years we're in trouble uh the father tells us through voiceover that Earth came together like never before and it's built these massive big thrusters um, all around Earth. on one Earth side. engines. Earth engines. <laughs> um, and also a satellite uh, in a space station that he is going to be going to um, to monitor Earth's progress. Yeah, they're the, the navigation. Navigation. Also. They're pretty bad navigators, really. Well, really, they were. That's what I did think. I thought, Jesus, you haven't done a good job. You've All this time you've been circling. He's been up there for 17 years, and all of a sudden one day it's like... By the way, you're going to hit Jupiter. Hit Jupiter. So he's like, hang on a minute. Surely you could have predicted that a little bit. Picked that a few days earlier, surely? Yeah. Um, but there there is an emotional arc as well starts because he says to his son that, look up in the space and you'll see me. And that's kind of closes that opening chapter. Um, and when we then are 17 years later, son is un the son is underground. He's living with his grandpa and he's taking off. He's running away that day. And uh, he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder about his dad. Yeah. And we learn that pretty quickly. 
he picks up his sister from school, does a bit of a cool which, version. Which is actually a little bit confusing for me because there was clearly no sister and no mother yeah. at the start when he's telling him I'm going up to space. Yeah, I thought it was a girlfriend. That's why. Yeah, I, I initially thought it was girlfriend because, yeah. you know, oh, 17 years, he's like, what, 20? Yep. Maybe, and maybe she's... 18? Yeah, yeah. Coming to the end of year 12? My presumption was just, oh, it's his girlfriend, you know, like I didn't think, yeah. But they explain later. They explain that later. So they left that open a bit. Um, And he's kind of a bit of a clever cookie with technology and he's got a bit of a lineup with a bit of an underground gangster to get fake IDs and they're heading for the surface. Mm. And so they, they get the fake suits and they get fake IDs printed and the sister's saying, you know, you don't really... You, know, you, you can't survive out there, but his intention, it seems to be very clear. He's going out there, she's coming with him, but he's going to stay out there in the, in the earth, um, in the outdoors. Go up a giant escalator. Not an escalator, giant lift. <laughs> giant elevator. Was it 500? I don't know where they're 500. Oh, they went to 500 metres above ground level. Ground level, yeah. Because you see them go up like that, that wall. Yeah. Man-made wall thing. Yeah. To the top there, which I... And there's all these other workers that, like, obviously they're doing work on... Yeah, that, that surprised me because at first I thought, oh, you know, the Earth, they're going up there, it's, they're, they've got to get these special IDs and it's, it's sort of basically going to be abandoned. Yes. But it's not. No. It's a hive of activity and industry. They're doing all sorts of things up there, yeah. And, um, and interesting, they get to the surface, it's negative 83 degrees. Now, I've yeah, never been to a really cold environment. You know, in Australia, can get to zero and it's cold for us. But, and, and it can get a bit lower, obviously, in places like Canberra. Like Canberra. <laughs> Not negative 80 cold. No. I've been to Toronto when it was minus 40. Okay, yeah. That, I don't know what that was like because we stayed inside the airport and then jumped into a cab mm. and went straight to the airport, uh, to the hotel where we were dropped off in like an underground yeah. parking because I think people die in that temperature. But there was a great little moment, wasn't there, in that uh, lift because... <laughs> Like all the other workers that were going to exit onto mm. the Earth's surface, like it's coming up to the 500 meters, about to open its doors. They kind of all like hunched down and braced yeah. themselves. They all crouched down and they all crouched down. But uh, the brother and the sister just stood there going, you know, because they were in awe of seeing Earth's surface. And then the doors open. Of course, it's just like this freezing gale of wind and ice and stuff. Right. So that's why they crouched down. I really liked that. That was kind of a cool little thing. And then we go to the father. Now he's on this space navigation station. And he's completed the 17 years up there, I believe. And it's his day of retirement. He's getting to come back to see his son. So, yeah, that's kind of nice timing, isn't it, as a plot yeah, point? His Russian co-worker comes in and offers him a... Vodka. A, <laughs> sort of a, a flask of moonshine. Moonshine. And, you know, being the, the good fellow, he says, no, that's, you know, I'm still on duty. Uh, I don't really want your filthy moonshine to be gross. And the ro- tucks it into his space. Space, so yeah, for later, for later. Later, for later. Uh, he didn't kind of seem like the kind of guy, the father, that would just be out there doing some sort of job in his suit and have a swig of moonshine. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I've got this on me. Uh, well, it gets cold out in space. Yeah. So anyway, they're tearing down. They get into one of these mammoth trucks and he uses his grandpa it turns out his grandfather's a transporter driver yeah as you said before this hive of activity there's all these trucks and workers and we do get this massive shot when he when he does manage to drive off this huge truck uh of all these 
trucks and cranes and all sorts and there's of things. Big, they're digging out the mountains and they're digging out the mountains. And it's explained that that's the fuel for the. They referred to it, and I don't know. So this is something interesting. Mark, you watched the dubbed version, mm. and I watched the subtitled version. Yeah. So there's going to be slight differences in the script. I think, think so. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they said in the dubbed one, but they explained this was the. They referred to it as hard fusion generators that power yeah, the earth engine that's what they did say yeah and so they're basically gonna get dig out the earth and chuck it in there and so i don't know how much earth we're gonna have left at the end of the voyage <laughs> i did have the same thought like if you just did because i mean it was a math mammoth operation wasn't it yeah it was, and all these huge cranes and these trucks and you know it's like a massive mine site that you'd imagine uh you know here out in kalgoorlie and stuff but then that was just happening all over earth like yeah so pretty full-on he, however, they, you know, he's had a bit of success. They're, getting, they're kind of driving on this highway, but they get pulled over, mm. arrested, and they're thrown in a jail. Thrown in a local little prison. Yeah, they? and they do meet this guy that's a cross-Chinese Melbourneite. <laughs> so he wasn't referred to as coming from Melbourne in the uh, subtitle version at all. Yeah. And he only ever referred to himself as a Chinese. And man. he had blonde hair, see, so that made... Yeah, white, and he, he, looked, he looked like, uh, if you've seen Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah, you know the character. That, I don't think it was quite that extremity, but yeah. But he had that, he had that weird bowl haircut and yeah. goggly eyes. and yeah. He deliberately looked different. They'd casted someone different. Freaky, yeah. I, his hair. And, was he, I wonder what he looked like to a you know, native Chinese of the audience. Australia. <laughs> well, see, this is the funny thing because we're, we've only been exposed to, by and large, the Chinese that have been presented to us in popular culture mm. you can imagine some 15 year old going to watch this in beijing or something rather his only experience of western culture has been some hollywood movies some singers uh maybe a couple of tourists they've sort of spotted yeah. from a distance yeah uh, but yeah it, it but it's just those natural stereotypes you just idiot. wonder if they're sort of Showing this guy, and they sort of go, oh, yeah, that's what I expected. That's what I expected of a half Chinese. Yeah, half you know. Chinese, half Melbourneite. Yeah, it's like, of course he's going to look like that. That's normal. No, I thought that was nice. And I think, I think the thing is, that for the Chinese, we do, China and Australia has a very uh, interesting relationship. You know, it's a very unique, great partners, good trading partners. You know, we're in the Asia Pacific together. We're the two probably big nations in that way, you know. Um, we have a lot of mining and resources that China need and want and, and food. money off. Have food supply as well. Um, baby formula, apparently, is the thing. Um, you know, all of those things. And uh, uh, maybe that's why there is a reference there. I don't, I'm not too sure. They, or they just picked on this. But quite often in American movies, they, they have an Australian character, don't they? They have that random Australian character. Who sometimes has a New Zealand accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or a Cockney accent. <laughs> yeah. um, so that can be quite funny. So anyway, he's arrested, he's chucked in, uh, Grandpa comes and Grandpa has, tries to bribe the policeman, which is quite funny. I thought it was a good little funny. I was wondering about that because you'd never see, I don't really think you'd see that in a Western movie. No. but no. And, I'm, and I'm thinking that this, uh, this might have been sort of a, a point to show difference yeah. of culture after the Wandering Earth has started. Yeah. So maybe Grandpa, being older and growing up in an old form of China where you would offer gifts yeah. to the police and so forth. Well, not in the modern China. In the modern China, the cop sort of went, yeah, no, no, it's not really going to work. You're going to prison. Yeah, yeah. And he does. He threw he Which throws. I appreciate. I like the fact that 
yeah, they they follow through because you can't. How could you have such an organized movement to to shift the earth and the whole world is in on this? Yeah, you couldn't. And yet you've got rebels, little corrupt police officers. Yeah. No, that wouldn't work at all. So I'm 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 quite pleased that they sort of did that. Yeah, and so so they're they're in jail, and obviously there's a couple of moments they're in jail as a as a family, you know, um, and then Earth starts being pulled into Jupiter's orbit and they're kind of realising that the satellite station has done a very poor job. Yeah. <laughs> and the prediction is that Earth will head right in and there's not a lot they can do about it already. Well, yeah. That even with everything they could throw at the thrusters that maybe they, you know, and so the prediction is pretty gloomy very quickly here and, you know, the stakes are raised. Um, oh, yeah, so, well, initially, because of the earthquakes and things, because you're going to have this massive tidal effect yeah. and the, the tectonic plates are going to move and so on. Had these earthquakes, there's lots of stuff fell down, cities were yeah. going out, and you know, thousands of these earth engines turned off. Yeah, you know, it, was, the, so, it was starting to be ripped apart. So they were going, well, the initial thought was, we've got to restart all these engines yeah. and get the thrusters back on and, and steer out of trouble. Yeah. Which gives us our first quest, really, in this film. Yep. Um, and, I mean, that, I think what you just said, that efficiency of the police officer not uh, accepting the bribe, that's what we then see, isn't it? That they, they do that announcement that all resources... Yeah, I, lo- I love that as well. All resources, doesn't matter what you were doing, are going to be redirected into reigniting every single engine. First thing the cop does without even questioning, yep. runs over, unlocks the door. Yeah, because we need... And then he gets squashed, yeah. which is a shame. But he did what was right, really. But I, I really like that because yeah. you could well imagine the that that cop would have been painted. I can only imagine that cop would have been painted as being a bit corrupt. He would have taken the bribe and <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, chuck him in prison anyway. Yeah, to maybe squeeze a bit more out of him or something. And then the stuff would be falling down. Like, you've got to let us out. You got to. And he'd go, Nah, you're criminals. You're in prison. You know, like yeah, yeah. I've got the power. But no, this guy, he just runs over, unlocks him. Uh, he does get crushed yeah. almost immediately. But he was saving them. It was saving them and the resources. And I reckon that's where that again, as I said before, this Chinese. I think. I think. It, I think it was that Chinese. Sure. Um, like to me, I'm like, wow, this is cult- very culturally Chinese. Yeah. This, again, this group movement, if you like, yeah, where where real where there's unified front. There's a very strong concept yeah. of a, a communal group. It is. It is. We don't yeah. have that in the West. We don't. We're not as as um yeah connected that way i don't think that it's you know like i think their culture is much more about we're all in this together you know well that's how they managed to you know not collapse like the soviet union yeah, yeah. Uh, they've they've managed to slowly sort of evolve their initially very communist yeah. look into this sort of economic communism i don't know what it is yeah. like they're still pr- they're private companies and you know it's somewhat capitalist but it's still very very centrally planned and managed again i mean you know that thing i said at the start about global warming like and and they have they are changing their ways china um i mean when they decide to do what i suppose what i'm getting is when they decide to do something for the collective good they just do it you know and they just all seem to work and it, it was very noticeable i think culturally in this scene because it was like all resources redirected to here and i mean in the movie they do show Americans and they do show, you know, other stations. Japanese. Japanese. And, and yeah. so it's not just like the Chinese are doing this, but I think that was kind of the slant coming from Chinese filmmakers and writers. And our key characters get in their truck and they're trying to go the opposite direction. 
and we've got all these trucks going to you know reignite the um, those fusion burner mm. engines, Earth engines, and they get reprimanded that they have to help. Well, they, they get pulled over again, yeah, don't they? They get they stopped. Do. They get stopped. And this is when the um, the soldiers, the the well, the white guy <laughs> basically admits to. to <laughs> Terrible crimes. I know he does as a joke, which is kind of a bit. Again, I think it's just coming from a different point of view. But yeah, yeah the soldiers come on board. CN one seventeen dash or one seventy one dash eleven or whatever it is. The, the rescue they group order that their truck um, has to take the lighter is what it was in the dub lighter core or lighter core. Yeah, to the earth engine. That's what is needed to ignite it or something like that. As far as I sort of picked up. Yeah, that that, that was the idea. Some sort of it's some sort of um, starter bark or something you know now then we cut to the the navigation satellite place station the space station and the, uh the, the resources are being ordered that they should all go to sleep yeah that, that was a bit strange again to save resources which i was a bit like why would that save resources back on earth but computing power or something maybe yeah we do learn that there's actually a a, a deeper reason uh, an algorithm that's played in the background of mm. I'm going to call it boss, not moss. Yeah, M O S in all caps. It was so probably still for something. Anyway, so and 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 the dad, he he's kind of slow. He doesn't. Everyone's been ordered into. Yeah, he's well. He's trying to get in contact with his trying to get in son, and he can't. Yeah, um, he's worried, and he's worried, but he's also questioning the process, and it's a bit drawn out there. But he basically gets to a point where he thinks, no, we shouldn't be going to sleep, and um, he kind of then gets locked in his pad doesn't he and his little uh hibernation hibernation thing and he's like trying to fight his way out and we cut from that and anyway then we come back to the truck and they're driving the lighter core into shanghai and it's iced over we've got some pretty cool effects in it. yeah it, it looks like it's sort of been um you know the underground city seems to have been cracked and risen up and exposed yeah. so there's like buildings and it's just so there's like trucks in ice and there's people in ice and mm. and you know that i think that iconic um building in shanghai which is kind of like a tall i don't know if it's an observation because i've never been there but it's like a really tall skinny thing with a big bubble yeah that's that's up that's in the ice. Yeah. ice and so it's this huge wall of ice very akin to probably game of thrones in a way you know the great wall kind yeah of that sort of size as uh, well yeah. it's huge you know and they're all sort of in uh, they're a bit mesmerised by this, and Grandpa gives us a bit of a kind of story about eating his wife's noodles that he didn't like, and but he kept. Oh, the scallion noodles were too salty. <laughs> too salty, and the, but he would lick the bowl clean salty. every time. Good laugh at that story. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but as they're kind of going through that, we had was it another sort of earthquake? Yeah, there's another earthquake, and yeah. there's like the the chasm starts collapsing yeah, and collapsing on top of them, and I think their one of their vehicles gets totally crushed, doesn't it? Yeah, and then they get they get trapped, they get locked off. Yeah, but they see there's a, a big skyscraper that rises up, peaks above the top of the um the crevice. Wall. Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna drag this lighter core. Yep. Which they they hook up with some ropes and things and. And we drag it in. There's a couple of planes that fall out of the sky. Yeah, the atmosphere is thinning. Yeah. The atmosphere is getting too thin. Uh, Mayday, Mayday. That was actually in, in English. Yep. And, and you can tell the English in China. I've seen a number of Chinese films, um, particularly sort of Hong Kong-based ones. And when they have the English, they don't seem to be terribly interested in getting good voice actors for these <laughs> things. Because <laughs> no. it's like, Mayday, Mayday. Our atmosphere is getting low. We're going to... 
fall out of the sky or something. <laughs> I'm not really a pilot. <laughs> they just don't seem to take it too. The, the director doesn't really know how to voice direct me because he speaks Chinese. <laughs> but, it was, you know, like we're getting the impression the world is caving in. And, and you're right, they run into this tower and they want to climb up the top and they have to climb up through the mm. elevator chute. So it's a good... Because obviously the elevator doesn't work. No, the elevator doesn't work. Whatever, years old and... All right, well, there's that little tense moment where they chuck the ropes down and said, you know, bring up the lighter core and uh, Lou Key or whatever his name is. Uh, again, they never actually said that name in the the in the in Chinese version I was watching. as like uh, Lou Qi sort of sounding. Yeah. Who am I? I'm not a linguist. But And he says, no, people first. Yeah. And he's really insistent. People, and I was looking going, dude, the people don't freaking matter that much. <laughs> that lighter core doesn't get to your earth engine. You're crushed by Jupiter. And all your people but can save the cat moments, isn't but, it? Really, like it. But that's what it was. It was establishing that he's got a very strong, yeah, people safety sort of thing. And so they go, well, you know, just bring everyone up. Mm. And so they do. Yeah, they start bringing everyone up, and the lighter core swinging around, and the the, the walls keep close, you know, collapsing a little bit, yeah. and finally, it's the one of the soldiers and grandpa, yeah, and the lighter core and the. Uh, they get the lighter core up and then it's just the soldier and grandpa and then the elevator sort of drops and so they cut the rope Yeah. and the soldier swings grandpa in yeah. but then gets taken out by the elevator. Yeah. Turns out um, grandpa unfortunately ran out of oxygen. Yeah. So he... Well, his suit was had a hole in it. Yeah, he is losing his oxygen and he was, he was not having a good time. And there's much drama and dismay. Yeah, uh, wanted to, the brother wanted to save him. And the soldier's like, you can't, you know, it's, he's a couple of levels down. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all over Red Rover. And he's dying and he does say something very um, courageous to them about, you know, family and hope. And I think hope comes in there and you've got to live your life and that's sort of like, you know, inspirational. And this is, a, this is also the scene where we come across the, the fellow who is tunnelling out of the top of the building yep. onto the cliff using his minigun. Yes. His... You know, six barrel spinning thing that shoots yeah. lots of stuff, which made me so. And I thought, why do they have guns? Yeah, yeah. Like, nothing in this film had yet no. portrayed any reason why they would carry guns. No. Like, there was, there was no ice was bandits, no, no wild monsters. Like, uh, well, we don't see that, but maybe there was. Maybe there was deserters. Maybe there was. Maybe that's why they needed guns. And, you know. Yeah, it just, it just didn't portray it uh, that way. Like, maybe they could have. Shown as a driving path, like a, a distant scene where there was like a bit of a gunfight or something, yeah. so that you go, okay, that's where they can. But even, I, even like a, a deserter, like we just see a deserter and they have to pull them over and they're shooting them or something. Yeah, because I just I just found it a bit odd that they got this heavy artillery cannon. Yeah, and they're all carrying you know rifles, which is probably fair enough that they're carrying at least a sidearm or something, being that they're security personnel. But yeah, but yeah, there's like this anti-person, you know, I know anti-tank rifle thing that. Yeah. I think there was a little, I mean, maybe it's probably been done in a few films, but it was a bit like Predator, wasn't it? That big gun. And, it, was, it was. You know, firing and the bullets. Fall. I can't help but think that maybe that was for the trailer. Yeah. In the trailer, you can bet there would have been a shot with this gun pulling out and then firing up and people would go, whoa, what are they going to do with that? Actually, they're tunneling out of their building for that one. Anyway, so they're, they're out in the snow and then they basically, you know, the son is upset about the, losing his grandfather. The soldiers are going to press on, and they basically say, "Well, you don't need us anymore. We don't. We don't have a truck. Yeah. You know, we're sort of redundant to you. 
and it's a three hour walk to get to the engine. So they, they do part ways. So the soldiers go off with the lighter corps and the brother and the sister kind of mourn. And the, 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 the white guy. Yeah, the white guy, yeah. His name, I don't remember what his name the is. The Melbourne guy. <laughs> they, they will head off in a different direction, but they sort of mourn the grandpa for a bit. We then cut to the father and he's fighting this gas in his hypersleep pod. And he's trying to break free, and he and he does. He breaks free. Mm, he rips a bit, a bit of circuitry out. Yeah, or something, yeah, he manages to open it physically. Boss is not happy with him, and sort of warning him to get back in. And uh, <laughs> I kind of thought it's a little bit like two thousand and one, but it's much nicer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get back in. You know, all resources deviated. You know, like the commands were very, very nice to him, even though he's really disobeying. This. Yeah, yeah. It didn't have that menacing. How? No. And he wakes up um, the Russian. Yeah, boss does. Yeah. Because he wakes up two guys and yeah. says, you've got to, like someone or other has managed to, has yeah, has malfunctioned. You've got to get him back into yeah. a thing. In, yeah. And the Russian goes, oh, okay. And the other fellow just sort of rolls over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> sleep. Just, yeah. But then the Russian's like, you know, he the, the dad explains to him something's wrong. Yeah. Things aren't, this is not right. What, what's this protocol? It's not happening. Um, and so they come up with a plan themselves. Um, and then we go back to uh, the military group arrive and at their destination and it's torch. Yeah, they, they get to Hangzhou, I think. It yeah, is. and it's the whole thing is yeah, it's, the engine is no, blown out. There's been some sort of big earthquake thing yeah. there and everything's smashed and crashed. Yeah, it's just it's just done. Um, and so they they sort of have a moment there, don't they, where they all kind of, they have a bit of a tip. Uh, they have a tip about all, and and he he ends up shooting the lighter call. He he destroys it, doesn't he? Well, the woman the woman yeah, does. Yeah, the, the, the does. The woman soldier she shoots it up and says, "Okay, enough fighting." Yeah, and that sort of shocks the others. They kind of go, "Oh, okay." There's not really any argument now about what yeah. to do with lighter core because <laughs> this is why they need guns. Sorry, they just like to shoot up things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> people, I do. but just and then there's a tense moment where he, he shoves a gun in her face yeah. and then. Fires off to the side, and because <laughs> um, he's saying my wife, my wife, daughter died or something, you know, they're, they're for nothing. And the uh, the grandson has found they've found another vehicle. Um, and yeah, one of the crashed airplanes had a yeah. transporter in it. Transporter, so they sort of they get in that, and he has a choice, doesn't he? Because he hears they hear the military group, I think, don't they? Yeah. So he because he, he comes. There's two people in this transporter, yeah, of course. Right, there's yeah. uh uh, like a technician fellow who's a bit philosophical. Yep. And must play Dungeons and Dragons because he had his little 20 sided dice that he was playing with. And that's right, because they couldn't drive the truck, those two guys, but of course the grandson. Yeah, the grandson could drive. Yeah. And, they, and they, when they found out, they go, well, well, hang on, we've got a lighter core. We've got to get to Sulawesi. That's right. It's the torque engines that are going to be the most important ones yes. anyway. Yes, that's right. Yes, I was, um, yeah, I've lost that in my mind. So they, they, they but then they ha he has a decision. It's we're going to go there or we could go get the military group. Yeah. We go rescue them because they're sort of in the middle of nowhere. And I think without telling the others... Oh, yeah, because the, the, the CN171-11 rescue group, but he basically says the mission is over. He overhears, says, yeah. the Hangzhou is gone. We've lost a lot of core. Mission is over. Yeah. Do whatever, you know, go home. And so having heard that, he goes, okay, well, no, I want to go get them because yep. this hope. Hope they could help. We've us. got a bit of hope here. So he, he does. He heads off to get them. Dad overrides boss and um, reveals that this is actually a authorised program. Mm. 
it's a different program he was not aware of. Well, he sees also that the the space station has deviated. That's right, it starts. It's just it's just right. moving away from the Earth. It's, yeah, and he calls it desertion. Yes, he says, this is desertion. <laughs> Um, and he can't override. He can't override yeah. the system. He can't actually. Override. And and this is where we get those those flash of two thousand one. Is like yeah, has has boss or Moss, <laughs> kind of taking the the helm here a little bit and is doing its own thing. Yes. Uh, or is this you know it's claiming certain authorities, but we don't really know. We don't know again. Do so they've got to get to the the command module, which is this counter rotating bit. And so they've got to go outside in their spacesuits. And as soon as I saw them get in their spacesuits, I remembered the, the grog, the the, the booze that's hidden in the panel. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, the Russian reminds us of it. Yeah. Because he's got the little straw and he takes a bit of a suck from the straw of his own suit. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> and you can tell. Okay. He's he's boozed his own thing up yeah. a bit there. And they have to do basically. You know, they they he he magnetically overrides the doors. <clears throat> And then they have to do a bit of a like space swim, really, like a dangerous space. Yeah, swim. there's there's a tense moment where it opens and they go flying out yeah. on their tethers. Yeah, and the Russian uh, one breaks. Is yeah, and, and they like, go hold each other, and and then they're climbing, clambering, you know, across the space station in outer space, and um, you know, like this thing's twirling around, circling around, huge, mm. you know, piece of machinery that can wipe them out. Um, and Boss does something to them as well, doesn't Yeah, well, they, they jump for it and, and Boss says, oh, unauthorized um, <laughs> external access attempted yeah, deploying lethal countermeasure, <laughs> which, oh, okay, why do you have a lethal counter? Did you think that? Well, I guess it's a two and a half thousand year mission. Yeah, yeah maybe. They had to plan for every eventuality. You know, what if something... Well, mutiny of the, the crew yeah. disrupting the, the mission. Fair enough, yeah. So, and... The Russian gets knocked out, doesn't he? He gets yeah. He gets, his faceplate gets broken and he flies and off. He's, and yeah, he's dying. Disappears. So then the yeah. So I think so. Dad gets back in, into the control module. He does, doesn't he? And this this is where the calculations are revealed that it's too late. Yeah, and that it's, it, it doesn't matter what they do on Earth. And that's where we find out that it's been relabeled from Project Wandering Earth to Project Helios. Yes. And where it's explained that there's, you know, a whole heap of Embryo. human embryos frozen and there's like a hundred million seeds of yeah. crops and plants and things. Yeah. And animals, genetics. All the DNA scans of all the animals and yeah. stuff. And the space station is going to continue on Yeah. in an attempt to colonize. Yes. Which yeah. uh, which makes a lot of sense that they had a backup plan because yeah. two and a half thousand years, a lot of things could go wrong. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it kind of, I suppose the impression was, well, yeah, if humans did, become mutiny well then a little bit like i am mother maybe boss is gonna raise them or you know there must have been some sort boss of would just thing. turn off the hibernation that's right switch them all off and then start fresh with some new yeah, embryos get some embryos out who knows yeah so i was kind of, i liked that because i was like oh this is a little bit i am mother in that way yeah so the space and that that's going to happen so then they arrive on the way they're thinking that's right they're told aren't they everyone is told from boss there's a communication across the world that uh although i think was it something like 70 percent of the engines were turned on this and that but it's too late yeah there's just Earthworms. not enough yeah. not enough thrust not enough thrust to get out of uh you know jupiter's gravitational pull and uh this is the final communication you yeah. go home with your to your loved one yeah what a like, grim man, notice the mission, the mission failed what a grim notice that would be you go home Spend time with your loved ones. Yeah. 
It's all over. Yeah. Oh, I, I, when I was watching, I was thinking, what would you do? You know, like you've just been told that that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's the world is literally come to an end yeah. and say goodbye. And you just gonna sit there and wait for however long it was, 17 hours or whatever the time limit was. Yeah. So they're all, um, you know, with the son, with the grandson and that, they're all, you know, they're all depressed. They want to give up and, and all those sort of things. And he flash, he has a flashback to his father telling him at the start about being in space and looking up, I'll always be above you. And he's pissed off with that because he says, you know, being underground, he was, I could never see him. He said he'd be a but star. But because of the Venus, he said Venus is full of gas. Jupiter. Ju- Jupiter. Yes. Sorry, not Venus. Jupiter. Why am I saying Venus? Uh, Jupiter is is full of gases that he has a brainwave yeah. that maybe could we... 90% hydrogen, which is... And what's hydrogen? And Grandpa goes, I don't know. No, it's Dad's rocket fuel. Yeah. yeah. So he has that sort of reef, you know, that we saw at the start of the movie. And so he has a flash that can we ignite it? And this is... What part of this is the um, end of the dark night of the soul? This is that um, the B story, which is the, the, the flash of insight, yeah, which is. Yep. reveals the, the new ending. It does. So they're basically going to blow up the atmosphere, hopefully causing enough of a charge that the planet will then spiral. So, so they come up with a plan, and the uh, technician that they found in this extra transporter says that he was the one who programmed the um, New Year's fireworks Fire. display. <laughs> like, so yeah, if you did, of, each yeah. Earth engine actually has 12 sort of nozzles, mm. and if you bring them 12 or 7, I can't remember now, Something like that. Let's let's call it twelve. It's yeah. probably seven. But he'll actually put all the thrust through just one. Yes. Which will give us, you know, how many thousand kilometers yep. up in the sky. I, I liked it. I thought that was a good plan. It sounded good. I also like the fact that they shared this with other people. Yes. Well the other earth engines that were in the right spot. There was about another three or so earth engines that yep. shared this and were doing the same plan, which is yep. again, I think that's a a more Chinese yeah. approach rather than just one rather than Bruce Willis going out there by himself to, to get radar gun and yeah. saying a, one of those log lines that we talked about with the predator and firing his gun and saving the whole world, you know? Yeah. Like, so this was, even if the, like we're watching this tense scene where they're trying to, cause I, well, that's where we go to now is yeah. they, they want to execute, execute this plan, their plan, but they've got some obstacles in their way. Yeah. So one of their first obstacles is the program, which uh, restarts, it doesn't shift this thing they call a, an ignition pin. Yes. And they get there and they look at this. It's, it's a huge piece of machinery. <laughs> it's a rock. And they say, you call that a pin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they've got to basically try and push this manually. Yep. And it's just, it seems like a ridiculous task for like five of them. Yeah. Three, three of them and then the, the two others who yep. don't have the full power suits on. And... We also, the, you know, he starts running the actual program, the New Year's Eve program, and it loads up to 99%. Oh, yeah, well. 99%. Well, they get the, the lighter core. Yeah. It says, well, he's got a huge manual, and he's yeah. trying to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And it says, oh, it's all automated. And so, well, I don't know about that. He just says it's automated, and the book's going everywhere. And, and I'm sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be one of those. Yeah. This is the, tr- but that wasn't the trouble. No. Because it was fully automated. Yeah, well, they backed up, a little arm came out, took it, yeah. plugged it in, it went to close, and it almost closed shut, and there was yeah. something was jammed. Mm. And so Lee Ki, uh, Liu Ki had to climb on in there with Risk a. Risk his life. Connected by a rope, and he's like kicking these things. And I, <laughs> I was looking at it going, dude, have you considered this? Because he kicked the first one out, 
and, and the plates dropped <laughs> and stopped on the next one and he's like and then he starts kicking that one out <laughs> you're like oh that's no, it was that's not going to work well one. yeah yeah so so we've got these um obstacles yeah and the daughter dodo uh, her name was doodoo dodo door door whatever the daughter double d uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that actually not going there <laughs> It, it, in if this is an American film, it would maybe, but yeah. So she starts giving this, like, asking for help, mm. and Dad up in the space station requests the United Earth Government, who's yeah. French, yes, which is a nice touch. I think the the United Nations, is yeah, house, but yeah. um, uh, request you know order your people back because everyone's just fleeing, going yeah. to the home or whatever, and they say, well, we as the United Earth Government, we can't make that order. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want to order people from spending the last few minutes they've got with their family. But as an individual, we can open up the Community. global channels yeah. and individuals can talk to each other. Yeah. And so Dodo uh, does her little speech about hope where she was initially at school and they're talking about spring and what is hope. And she's kind of like, eh, yeah, whatevs. Although that school scene's a bit interesting. We'll talk about that later. And she gives her a speech where she suddenly realizes what hope is. is this beautiful diamond that shines in the sky and it draws our hearts onwards. And I don't know, it's very poetic and lovely. And, and we've cut to lots of different little vehicles of rescue crews from different nations. And they all kind of go, except that Japanese guy who shot himself. Yeah, no, they're not really going for it to begin with, are they? They're kind of... Uh... As she's doing the spiel, they, yeah, there's a guy that shoots himself in the head. Yeah, but... There's others that are like, uh. By the end of it, she's so impassioned yeah, she, and you can hear it in her voice. And she's just like, the, she says, yeah, I'm just a, a, a schoolgirl, but yeah, I'm here. I'm doing the best we can because I have hope. Yeah. And and I, and everyone finally goes, okay, screw it. And the, en masse, all the vehicles oh, do these big U-turns and go roaring back. And then we get there, we're back to the pin where their their suit motors are, are starting to burn out, and I can't push the pin in. It's it's a hopeless task. And then he's like, "I'll give you a hand." Yeah. Me too. Yeah, they all come in. So they come in, they start pushing this pin, and it does actually start. Propping. Yeah, it's like a, a a massive rugby scrum. Yeah, and so they're doing that. They're straining. Uh, our main character, he kicks out that final thing, and then he's yanked out before being squashed. Yeah, Whitey, Whitey you know, yeah, jumps actually. Because why he's been a bit of a, a coward, a bit yeah uncertain of character, but he he grabs hold of the rope and he he, thinks he jumps and hauls him out yeah. and they they both survive. And, and there's the other guy um, because of the program not loading. There's like a, a he's got a huge yeah rewire so a he's panel or something. And he and he does that, but he dies doing it, and um, he gets crushed. I think doesn't he? He gets hit on the head or something. And um, but anyway, then the program loads. So automatically, those three challenges have kind of all. Ticked all their boxes. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as that hope was addressed, that's right. They all got found another gear. But I really, I mean, that was great writing, wasn't it? Because it's pushing. You know, like here's our plan, but not, none, uh, each step of the plan failed, mm. and they they were all really determined to try to make it work, but it just wasn't working. You know, and they needed that little bit of extra help. Um, so they get the lighter in. The program's loaded. People came and helped. They're united. The beam goes into space. And it doesn't make it. It's not long enough. <laughs> it's just shy of the 7,000 kilometres that that beam needed to get to. It's just not quite, I think it gets to five something or something by memory. Um, and then the father on the space station realises that, well, hey, we could, we have enough fluid on this space station to kind of ignite it and do that final. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and sacrifice himself. So he, and Boss denies him that. 
Uh, but he overrides him by using the alcohol. Yeah, oh, he chucks a molotov. Basically, yeah, and it ignites on the sparking yeah, bits. And he, and he says the line, doesn't he? He says, why is alcohol not allowed in space? That is space. Yeah, well, yeah, why was it banned by the Russian space missions? Yeah, yeah something like that, you know, because it instantly ignites. But I loved how he just threw that at Boss and it just <laughs> blows him up. But uh, the United Earth government, though, ends up, Giving, granting him permission as well. Yeah, they do. They grant. And so he, the, and I was a bit worried because he was loaded up with all those hibernating people. Yeah, but, no, but he just ejected. he ejected them. There's an yeah. ejection system, so they ejected. Presumably, they must return to Earth in some yeah. controlled manner. Yeah, which I had a little interesting note. Uh, episode one, passengers. You know, like, isn't this the sort of almost opposite of that? Because they didn't do that in passengers. You know, like, there was no way, was there? You know, like. I kind of thought, oh, like here is the solution. The pods are all their own little special safety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because it just ejected and they were a big ring of pods. Yeah, they thought about this. Yeah, they thought about they thought about everything on this space station. And so he's on a suicide mission, the father with the spaceship. He's heading towards it and he has that moment with his son, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, a nice moment. The son doesn't really like it, but I suppose the father speaks his piece. Um, and he ignites Jupiter, you know, he, he bam, the, the shock waves hit Earth. Nudge it out. Nudge it out, yeah. Earth. Nudge it into the, nudge it far enough away that the engines can take over. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kick in and it's, and everyone's cheering. <clears throat> but the son and the daughter in that, because of that shock wave, I guess, which you'd imagine, I was thinking this when it was happening, like, wouldn't Earth really feel this? Like, mm, if it's a strong enough shock wave to, to actually the shift planet. the planet. Yeah. Uh, I have a strange feeling that you wouldn't want to be on the planet when it's mm. shifted. They kind of talked about that because they were sort of like, get underground and, you know, be as yeah, safe as possible. It's one of those things that's like, yeah, when the elevator's falling, jump at the last minute, you'll be okay. But the son and the daughter, they, um, they're they kind of trying to get to as as far away as possible in the truck and the truck just gets hammered. Oh, and everyone goes over the cliff. And everyone goes over the cliff and they're falling um, and the son grabs on, but the daughter, his sister, keeps falling. And so he dives after and we it, It's as though they hit the ground. Yeah. Um, but as another kind of little thing that we did see earlier in the film was this yeah. big ball. A, co- a couple of times yeah. he used his little safety ball, yes. spandy ball thing. He's actually in the ball and he's... Like a, a Zorb. Yeah, a Zorb. Um, but yeah, it's a good last minute sort of, you know, here we've saved the planet, but, the, you know, they're dying, you know, like they don't make it. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if they were going to have them yeah. all die. Because again, watching a Chinese movie, I wasn't sure what the yeah. the standard process was. Was it was it common in Chinese movies to have this a very strong theme of sacrifice or not? So Earth is saved and they're okay, and it's really back to work. Yeah, we get a three years later. Yeah, we get a bit of a an, sort of a recap of the the Earth coming together and doing all the rest of it, and uh, it was quite nice to see them then going through. Uh, some of the tunnels in the city and stuff was all brighter and cleaner and nicer. Like it's like everyone has been rejuvenated in their spirit. Whereas yeah, at the start of the film it was a bit darker, a bit grimier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that um, gangster dude, we see him at the end, yeah. and he's like, seems like he's laughing and he's yeah. a bit cooler and a bit yeah. nicer and. So you get the idea that basically, I think this near-death experience that the whole planet has had, uh, and certainly I was, I was reading that in the book. It wasn't so clear cut that it was just everyone joins together and flies out. There was some debate about, you know, is the sun actually going to explode mm. or not? And is it, do we have to go to another planet? Could we just, do we just have to shift out our orbit a little bit? There's, there's, there's some protests about, no, we don't believe you. You're 
just scaremongering us. Right, yeah. So so I think that this movie sort of starts after that. Yeah, yeah. And so there's sort of that grim where people are... Uh, they have pulled together, but they're a bit grudgy. They're not, they're not real happy about it. No, because they're living underground. It's maybe not as good as it was sold to them. You know? mm. They're a bit like, ugh. Because, I mean, that's really the grandson, isn't he? He's a bit... I mean, maybe he's just... He wants to go up to the surface and just kind of live a life. Like, who cares if it's too rough and rugged? I don't want to live underground. It's yeah. shitty. He wants He wants to be... I think it was... He sort of explained it there. He said, oh, my father lied. He said that I could just look up and see him as, in the, yeah. as a star, but I'm underground. Yeah. I can't see Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's and it, that's it. and he he is driving the truck and and he has a little accident, so, reminiscent of his initial one. Sister's there, so the presumption is they're gone. They're working. They're they're part of the team, aren't they? And that's the end. Yeah, big blockbuster. They're, they're truck drivers. Truck drivers. <laughs> that's very good. Okay, that's good. Good job. Good long career. So what about the latter um, results here, Surrey? So for me. I am putting this in at number nine, um, which is under revolt and above the darkest dawn. So that's where I'm mixing it into my ladder results um, there. What about yourself? Where, where are you sort of fitting into the uh, movies that we've had a look at? Well, yeah, just just with Passengers, I think. It, was, it touched on many of the similar sort of bits and pieces. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it, it was, that's just where I'm doing it. Yeah. Just, just because I can. Yeah, uh, I liked many aspects of. It. I liked the audacious nature of moving a whole planet. Yeah, I loved that. That's, I really loved that. So that that was the sci-fi, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's quite quite outrageous. But yeah. but when you get over the idea of it, you go actually, if you're going for a two and a half thousand voyage, yeah. year voyage, and this has always been the problem we've had yeah. with things like passengers, for example, everything these movies where you've got really long time spans and science fiction has come up with various arc ships, you know, with a hollow out an asteroid. And, but you've got to shift like the whole planet is in danger. This isn't just a colonization effort. This is to rescue all of humanity. Yeah. Uh, so once you get over the, the initial thought of, well, it's, it seems Sing, like it probably right. wouldn't work. Yeah. But you go, actually, it makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's, we've already got this planet. Yeah. It works well. If we just put park it in a new orbit, spin mm. it up, you know, uh, breed up some animals mm. it might be a little bit i mean it's gonna be quite a bit different yeah but, but like i suppose that's the thing you think about this moving the earth it was a two and a half thousand year mission and then say we get it to that new solar system and then it we, we reset it and it's there it's kind of like well then they probably had the plan like oh it's going to then take a thousand years to kind of get things happening again isn't well it? Uh, you've got to wonder you're talking about a civilization that has spent two and a half thousand years wandering through deep space, living underground. Mm. Are they even going to know how to live on a surface? Like, Yeah, that's true. Like a two and a half, like, you yeah, to put that in perspective, you go back two and a half thousand years, 500 BC. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a different, a hundred generations, they said, you know, yeah. hundred generations later, these people will be turning up, there'll be new, there'll be new religions, there'll be new belief systems. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can imagine partway along the way they go, We've come up with everything we need here. Why do we want to stop in front yep. another? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's see what else is out there. Like, what difference does it make to us at this point? Because imagine you go back a hundred years, like a hundred generations. Yeah, yeah. Like my ancestors two and a half thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. Are so far removed from me today. Yeah. That I I have no desire, interest, or even knowledge of their lifestyle. Yeah. I I could only make guesses. Well, and what if someone? I mean, like we have people born that change humanity 
So you'd imagine along that path, someone might come along and invent something or come up with a new, you know, a new technology because they just would. This is what humans do, don't we? Well, this is also the same thing with like a new religious group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I've just been... If you converted everyone to not believe in shifting earth anymore and, you know, the rebels, that's maybe when you need the guns. Yeah. <laughs> like what if, what if all the underground people went, you know, because of religious reasons, like they did come up with a new religion, they're like, we don't want the earth to move anymore. We want to live here. Yeah. How about we use the earth engines to warm our atmosphere and just yeah. live here. drifting through space? Mm. Yeah. Very. Uh, what about a um, a best scene? We've we've gone through all the plot points. Have best scene. scene that you really like? Okay, I I really liked the vomiting in the space helmet yeah, that was scene. Pretty funny. Uh, I liked the. It's a very quick way to sort of uh, establish some characters and some personalities, but also inject a bit of. Humor because initially they're, they're, they're having a rough time and the, and the guy's puking in his helmet. <laughs> and at first it seems it's just going to be a, you know, a, a throwaway scene. Yeah. But then they've got that bit, yeah, helmets on and he's got this helmet and it's not just a little bit of chuck in there. It's full. <laughs> like it's about as full as you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. And he starts having that little tussle with the other fellow and yeah. the, the other guy... Wait, that was what his response back was like, you know, we we all must die someday yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, death is normal. Death is normal, people. <laughs> yeah. Like the vomit scene. Yeah. So I I found it was it was a it was a well placed piece of humor and but also sort of a bit of a character portrayal there and, and they didn't the funny thing there's there no outcome. Like the next thing you know, they have their helmets on. Yeah, that's like there and he's not like he's covered in spew or anything. So it's that's a nice little thing. Um, I look, we, we said in the plot points, but I thought the connection with boss to 2001, like there was a connection there. There's obviously a very different sort of machine, but, um, you know, that idea of the being ordered to do something that you don't want to do. But what I liked in this was actually when he first went into that control room, that father, he, he just picked up the fire extinguisher and threw it at boss yeah. and it kind of like knocked it off. But then there was another one. Yeah, a second one came down. <laughs> and you're like, oh, mother, you know, and, uh, but it, I just love that he picked up the fire extinguisher and just bolted that in. And then he did the same with the booze. Like it was, I mean, we knew he was going to use it for something, but he, yeah, he just like threw it at boss and it torched it, you know? And I, I liked that because when you do take 2001, that's such a slow burner, you know, that whole thing. And it's great with Hal, but, you know, how he, de, he deactivates Hal. But uh, in that, it was just like an instant, you know, gratification of the, the machine, you know. So I quite, I, that was a scene that I really liked. I thought the elevator scene was also a really good scene. Yeah, very tense. Uh, very tense. Um, that really built up. And the same with, like we just said, when he was, the son was kicking that lighter core, that last thing, and the thing was on top of him. Because I, I just thought, he's going squashed, isn't he? Like, he has to I, I know, I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I was, but... I, I was I'm not watching this on a big screen. I think if you watched this on a big screen, you would have really been biting. Mm. I would have been biting my fingernails, you know, because that was really tense. I was only watching on my laptop, but yeah, I thought he's going to get squashed here, and and that you know the white guy just kind of jumps and pulls him out, and it collapses in just that you know skin of your teeth, isn't it? You know, so um, yeah, I thought they were good scenes, but like they were really well paced, you know, like that. That's that action that I was saying at the start of tonight's episode yeah it, that, it gives you that reminiscence of some of yeah. those um survival films a uh, sci-fi yeah. survival Everything is coming down to that last minute so that's great um and what about a scene i didn't really love was the prison like, yeah I, I got the bribe scene i thought that was cool and i, I kind of got the plot scene but 
yeah, that Melbourne guy, like he was a bit weird and it was it was a bit funny. And then it was a bit goofy, wasn't it? It was a bit goofy in the context. And even then when grandpa's in, he's like really relaxed about being in prison. And I know that nothing's happened like they haven't had the earthquake and that. But yeah, I just I wasn't really loving that scene that much. It didn't it seemed a bit odd for what was had happened and also what was going. But I think there was a bit of cult again, Chinese cult. Well, having having watched a lot of uh cult movie Hong Kong films from back in the day, it's actually quite common sort of scene where they have like the, the person, particularly the older person looking especially cool in a prison situation. And yeah. So I'm, I am wondering if there's some sort of throwback to other films. May, maybe there's like a series of films mm. and that was kind of almost like a remade scene. Yeah, and yeah. you imagine the Chinese audience is going, oh yeah, that's yeah, pretty, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah. And we're, we're also watching going, it's a bit awkward. Yeah. Just kind of sitting there and we'll go with it. So, what about the science? Sorry, what do you want to pick on with the science of this wandering earth? Because, well, the question, of course, I think the obvious question is what would it actually take? Could you could you shift could a planet? Shift earth, yeah, what what sort of because it's it seems outrageous and it, it does, it clearly is. Uh, the short answer is no, you can't in the time scales I'm referring to. Yeah, the longer answer is there's several methods you could use given time scale. Yeah. And so there's a real thing that we have. The sun is slowly getting hotter and yep. bigger. Yep. Uh, it's It will eventually engulf uh, the solar system. Uh, as about 10% increase in uh, heat, shall we say, reaching the Earth every billion years. So in you know a couple billion years, we're going to be finding it too hot to live. Yeah. So the question is, could we, sh- you know, it has been addressed what about we shift the sun, the Earth's orbit it's just out a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Because you only have to shift out. Like for a 10% increase in heat, you only have to shift like maybe 5% yeah, of your radi- radius. A little bit, yeah. So you just shift it, just a nudge it out of the way and we'll maintain about the right sort of yeah. levels there. And then in a billion years, we'll have to build again. Yeah, and, <laughs> and well, you can do it gradually over the billion years yeah, because right. it's not like at the 1 million year mark, boom, it's well, 10% yeah. hotter. It's, <laughs> it's a gradual, gradual. scale. So it's true. So, yeah, the Earth is approximately six times 10 to the 24 kilograms, mm-hmm. which sounds like not much, but it is huge. It, it is an astonishing <laughs> amount of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of weight. So you need some thrust to shift to that. Shift that, yeah. And I've got, the, I've got the equations. Plenty of people have done them. I haven't had to do them. I'm how, how many of these Earth engines would I have to build? Sorry. I mean, come on. Do the math. Uh, well, so one of the basic things, so you're going to need 227 billion newtons of force. Right. So what's that that's, relatable to? And that's only to shift, that's to provide an acceleration of 1.2 microns per second per year. So <laughs> That's really slow moving. Well, we only have to shift over a billion years. Yeah. So we've got a billion years to shift that, that distance. Okay. So, but, the, but you're still going to need 227 billion newtons of force. So the Saturn V rocket, which uh, has been the largest single nozzle rocket that we've ever gone and produced. It had three point, uh, sorry, thirty-three point four million newtons. So, like that sounds pretty good, right? So we'd only need six thousand seven hundred ninety-six of them, right? Which we could easily do. Like, G- Germany was producing four and a half thousand V two rockets in nineteen forty-four mm. alone, just that one year. So yeah, so if we really focus. If we went, let's build these things. We could we could crank this out a year, year and a half, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Not a problem. However, of course, the problem comes down to fuel because the, the exhaust thrust of the Saturn rocket is about 3,000 metres per second. 
the way you move something forward is by chucking something backward, yeah. right? Newton's first law. Yes, equal and opposite reactions. Yeah. So you've got to throw something at 3,000 meters per second in one direction to make to impart some force in the other direction. So the question is, how much stuff would you have to chuck out of these rockets? You would need to use a third of the Earth mass. <laughs> so one third of the Earth would be used up in moving us 5% of our orbital distance. Yeah. Clearly unsustainable. Yeah, and I mean, that. I think that was the thing in the film itself was... It was such a mass scale of digging and cranes and trucks and all that that it. I mean, I did have the question. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't we just be digging up like the whole Earth to be able to move it that far? Yeah, I was, I was reading another analysis which basically said to shift us out to orbit Jupiter, we would need eighty five percent of the Earth. Yeah, fifteen percent of the Earth would would make it. Like the Moon would make it to yeah. Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, like that's not the whole story there because that's if we're using Saturn V rockets. Yes, which have very low uh, ejection speed. Yeah, because of course the higher the speed that you chuck it out, the less mass you actually have to throw out. Yeah, but the more energy you need in order to accelerate it. Mm. So we've got ion thrusters, which we talked about on passengers. Yep, and they were powered by fusion generators. So ion thrusters, they we could get, say, 60,000 metres per second. Yeah. Which means we, we could use uh, an equivalent, equivalent less yeah. fuel. So yeah. 60,000, five times less fuel. But we'd need a whole lot of energy because these are electric propulsion. We would need somewhere in the region of 13,620 terawatts of power, which is 800 times the entire Earth's human power production <laughs> at the moment. But again, that could be achievable but if fire up some yeah. fusion generators, as yeah. as we're talking about with passengers. One, it all of Western Australia would be powered by two fusion generators. Yeah, uh, and if we improve the technology a bit, because yeah. this occurs sometime in the future, there was a, a stadium with a twenty forty four yeah. Olympic Games sign on. Yeah. So you can imagine fifty years, sixty yeah. years in the future, maybe they've they've revised these things. And they yeah, they could get some fusion, and they had big fusion generators. Yeah, but would still basically be. Let me see how much. I was just trying to find. There was. Uh, we'd still be using way too much of the Earth. So what about a photon rocket, a massive laser, because that obviously has an ejection speed of the speed of light, mm. which means we don't need much mass at all mm. to impart this small bit of thrust. But we do need fabulously. We need four million times the current output of power. Of the earth right <laughs> so yeah not so good but there's other ways there's uh, gravitational slingshots right so there's this idea that you go and you haul you asteroids comets into close earth orbit so they come flying in at huge speeds and they pass by earth and there's a slight gravitational pull as they yeah get pulled along, and they pull earth just a little bit mm. and so you line up enough of these things to come by at a regular pace you'd have constant comet streaks through the sky and just slowly but over the course of many years hundreds of years thousands of years you'd start shifting the earth's orbit yeah right and again it doesn't really work so the short answer is of course no you can't do what they did in the earth the wandering earth and uh these these earth engines uh in the book were about two kilometers taller than mount everest so they're about 13 kilometers mm. tall because of course one of the problems is you've got this massive thruster yeah. The Earth's atmosphere, if it's inside the Earth's atmosphere, you're going to be blowing the Earth's atmosphere out into space. Yeah. And doing that would use up a lot of your thrust effort. Yeah. Uh, burning the atmosphere. Yeah. So you do, you want them 
higher. You probably want them up higher than 13 kilometers. You probably want them more like a thousand kilometers. Yeah. So they're not in the atmosphere. But if you could get your fusion generators up that high and all the rest of it, you'd still run into the problem of not enough fuel. But maybe what you could do, you could harvest fuel on the way through because yeah. you're passing by Saturn, go yeah. through the rings, you could haul in a whole bunch of stuff, capture that in the Earth's yeah. orbit. Yeah. Uh, they've got a two and a half thousand year plan here. They could, yeah. I'm sure they could come up with something. Yes. So it was certainly very interesting that they, they do these things. Now, the other one they mentioned there, thing they mentioned is the Roche limit. They mentioned it a few times that explaining what that is. So it's basically when you've got a great big celestial body like Jupiter, there it has a gravitational field around it. And gravity, of course, is uh, inverse square distance. So it's very strong, very close in. And as you go out, it gets progressively weaker. And Earth is held together by gravity. Yeah. 1G of gravity, as it turns out. And as you approach Jupiter, you're going to get... Jupiter will be pulling on the one side of Earth harder than the other side of the Earth is pulling on it. Yeah. You see what I mean? So, so Earth will start elongate. Oh, just bang my mind. We'll start elongating. And when you hit this Roche limit, that's the point where the pull of Jupiter versus the pull of the back half of Earth is sufficient that gravity no longer operates. Right. And Earth will essentially crumble into dust and will turn into a ring around Jupiter. Yeah, right. Like that's where Saturn's rings come from. So something comes up close to Saturn just breaks apart, starts orbiting, or crashes into the planet. Either way, so that that's the Roche limit, which is very interesting. I I thought that they they sort of bring that up. They didn't explain what that was. It's just that it was going to be bad. Yeah, you can kind of picture from the little they had a little picture diagram that you saw, yeah. which was which it didn't sort of show it breaking up, but it was basically it showed that when it passed that, it quickly dove into the dove. into the ground. Yeah, which which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and and then there's that final thing where they they ignited the Jupiter, which I quite like. Very good that they, they showed that the atmosphere was being drawn off. They did, yeah. And oxygen, and I was wondering actually at what temperature the atmosphere would freeze. Yeah. Because you're moving away from the sun yeah. and you've got the dark side of the planet now. Yeah. So one side would be perpetually nighttime. Yeah. And obviously there's a certain point at which the atmosphere would just start uh, condensing. Yeah. And dropping down to the planet. Minus 84 degrees on the bright side obviously is warm enough to keep atmosphere going although carbon dioxide would start dripping out uh, which which actually makes it very difficult to breathe yeah because the reason that you your brain tells you to inhale is not because you're running out of air but because you've got a buildup of carbon dioxide in your blood so if you're breathing an atmosphere uh, that is so cold that carbon dioxide is being robbed then you have great difficulty of building up carbon dioxide in your blood yeah. which means you can literally stop breathing yeah. and just pass out because your brain just goes well wow. Yeah. Well, but they did, um, I mean, and Grandpa kind of dies because his suit's ripped. So they did have the suits, didn't they? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, they were, and then they were in control. They had to have those. And so it was interesting that... Like, um, yeah. The so far, that was I'm wondering, though, the dark side, maybe it would have started maybe close enough, that cl far, that close into the sun, it was still warm enough. But certainly once they got out yeah. a bit further, they would have zero atmosphere. Yeah. It would all be just initially liquid. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping they had good drainage systems on their roads. <laughs> To avoid that liquid oxygen and things. Yeah. But it was nice that they, it was a nice touch that the atmosphere was being drawn off yeah, by Jupiter. It was. I liked that too. Yeah. And of course, there was some atmosphere from Jupiter being drawn towards Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Earth's got its gravity. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And light that up. So that was, that was quite good in, in many ways, I think. Uh, it was good that they had their artificial intelligence was not 
super intelligence. Mm. It was a fair extension of what we already have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was good. The, um, the, the whole thrusters and stopping the Earth from rotating, <laughs> that would be devastating. It would be. But three and a half billion people died yeah. in their processing, yeah. which they said was you know, tsunamis and earthquakes yeah. when they stopped rotating the Earth, yeah. which yeah, I can't imagine the social upheaval just culling half the Earth's population half. The benefit would be fewer people to riot. Right. And you just, I mean, yeah. I mean, the people that are left after that, I mean, maybe that's why it was so grim in that, I suppose, maybe at the start. Yeah, well, it was only... It had come out. It was only 17 years yeah. after... Well, it was less than 17 years because 17 years after um, they went up to the space station yeah, and they were still living on the surface and doing okay, uh, it was shortly after that, I guess, that they, they went underground. Mm. Yeah, so that would, be, that would explain a certain grimness there. Yes. But I did, I've, I did love this film in the, that grand scale of science fiction yeah. where you could kind of imagine it maybe if they had a particularly good variety of fusion, for example, yep. which allow them to very completely convert their rock into fusion energy and then they were firing basically powerful plasma laser type things, then you, know, you could kind of, you can, with a bit of hand waving and ignoring too many details, you could sort of say, no, you can do that. But it's the sort of science fiction that really inspires me. You know, it's so grand. It's so, uh, you know, everyone cooperating mm. and it's just the whole earth is literally moving. Yeah. It does. It, it's the sort of science fiction that really inspires you and makes you wonder, you know, if you could do that, what a great way to travel the universe. <laughs> just take the planet with us. Well, otherwise we've got so many problems just getting to Mars uh, with, with in terms of radiation and you know, meteorites hitting us and yeah. God knows what else. And what do you do when you get there? But this way you got a whole planet and there were uh, four kilometers, I think, underground or something. Yeah. Like they were considerably underground. Yeah. Totally, they'd be, they'd be getting more radiation from the earth itself than from the space. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, particle impacts or anything. Yeah, yeah. Plus they'd have the earth's magnetic field still protecting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's... Wonderful in that sense. And I mean, it is realistic because, I mean, like I, there was a thing, scientists the other day talking about a planet that there is a little bit of water on or something. And but they're, they're like, don't get your hopes up. And basically at the end of hearing this scientist talk about that discovery, uh, you know, he, he was saying, but it just reminds you how precious Earth is. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he, he was saying that there's still obviously so much to discover out there. But, yeah, again, it puts that preciousness back onto you know, so that maybe does make a lot of sense that even even in 500 years or something, if something came up, we might have to just shift Earth. Yeah. It's a logical thing, isn't it? Well, there's been a lot of thoughts. If not the Earth, then certainly there's a few very large asteroids. Yeah. Uh, and the idea of grabbing one of those and you basically, you hollow out, because uh, they're, they're largely made of, say, iron. So a lot of resources there. So you get in there and you start hollowing out and you use what you're digging out to build your... Know, safety structure station and your engine and then you keep hollowing it out using that as fuel yeah so you get the fuel but you get progressively lighter as you go and it's easier until you end up with like a, a hollowed out egg yeah with maybe half a kilometer or a kilometer thick walls to protect you and you've attained some level of you know speed yep and it's big enough it's you know 20 30 40 kilometers in size that you can actually sustain a population yeah that could spend 
you know, a, a thousand years traveling to a, a nearby star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can imagine you could actually produce a, an engine capable of doing that. Yeah. Uh, again, it's it's quite, we don't really have the technology now, but yep. gives a few hundred years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a few hundred years ago, we didn't have the technology to do anything we're doing now. <laughs> Podcasts. That's right. So I did, I did think that the film was very cinematic. Like I was really seeing, like I said, like it felt like those big action films, but it was shot really nice. It was very cinematic. It was quite a beautiful kind of uh, film language styled. And the lovely colorations. And yeah. some of the shots almost looked like uh, rendered paintings. They did it. And I, I got to think that that was a stylistic choice. There was a, a particular one where uh, Lu Chi is come across the fallen aeroplane and there's that second transporter yeah. there and they're standing there looking up at it. That looked, there was an artist, there's a, I just, I don't know who it was. There's a book, this artist, and I'm sure you must have seen it when you're at school. Uh, it's like, it's just like a big hardcover book. And I, I think there might've been a bit of a story to it, but mm. I never cared about that. It was just the, these paintings and these pictures of spaceships and these big, mining vehicles and yeah, yeah. and stuff. I know the one you And it had a very similar style that shot yeah. looking there. And I really got this it almost looked like a painting or something. Yeah, yeah. Which considering all of the other realism they had meant that I'm sure they did that on purpose to Yeah. It really conjured for me the, the feeling of looking through when I was a, a kid in high school. Yeah. Looking through this book of science fiction scenes mm. of planets and mining ships and yeah space fights and things yeah they, they, they did go really grand i think like so it was very cinematic like close-ups and mid shots and the, the dialogue and in the trucks and stuff but also then on top of that there was a lot of grandness to it like it was as you were just saying mm. the grand sci-fi and that's probably why they went that a little bit like you gotta come out so we had a lot we had a few of those big beautiful tracking shots and obviously a fair bit digital here but, you know, of all the cranes digging the earth and the trucks and the free, and it, but it went on and on and on, mm. you know, like we went all the way out. And also I thought the space station itself was a bit like that. Like that was grand again. And uh, we saw a lot of the, you know, inside and the outside of that. Um, but they didn't hold back from sh having those big wide shots, like zooming out from the ship. And that the shots of the earth itself yeah. traveling through space with a little tail out behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Something kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, whimsical about yes, that almost. Seeing seeing the Earth literally just <laughs> do, 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 like with a little trail. Yeah, it's just... yeah. But it was cool. It was well done. Those special effects were good. Um, I thought the soundscape was really good. It was really intense. You know, yeah, they had all that orchestral. Yeah, yeah stuff it was going. a very good soundscape considering. And then I've mentioned it a couple of times, and I'll just finish up on this. But like. You know, the story was super tight and then the actual editing of those scenes was super tight. Like everything, kind of those plot points, kicked it all into where it should have been and it felt like a big action scene. We saw, I knew what was going to come next, but in a good way. Like I was quite delighted by it. Well, it was a yeah. nice roller coaster. You knew that when they had the that, that last, that loss of hope where yeah. Hang Joe was gone and they've shot the core and you go, oh, this is the very pits. That's right. And, and you know, you, we've seen enough films yeah. to go, there's going to be a ray of hope here. Another plot point, isn't it? But the, the, it was nice, that's the thing we saw, like, but what is it? Yeah, what will it be? Yeah, and then there's, oh, they found the transport, which happens to have another, like, yeah. lighter coin, which makes sense. It was, yeah. Cause that, it was on its way and it crashed. Yeah, it crashed, yeah. And you go, oh, there's another lighter coin. Yeah. But it's not going to be enough. Oh. Right. <laughs> 
And then again, I was thinking, well, they must come up with some some sort of. And I actually thought of the you know igniting or, or using Jupiter in some way, uh, some clever way. You know, like um, I wasn't sure what that was going to be, but yeah. that sort of seemed to be what was going to have to happen. Yeah. But but it was those plot points were just so well executed, I think, and I agree. Like you didn't know, you knew what was going to happen. Like they needed to bottom out, but then you sort of felt like they're going to some someone's going to come up with an aha. Are they actually going to achieve that or not? Mm. Who's going to die? Like that was that was a good question. Like are they going to die doing that? We don't really know. Yeah, like was was uh, Lee uh, uh, Liu Qi going to die rescuing his sister? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that seemed a very real possibility. Yeah, and the way that was shot was really cool. I think because maybe in some other action films, you know, they get to that point and you know they get over the hurdle. Whereas that was a real, you know, like this truck got destroyed and they're flung out into the mm. the you know atmosphere falling plummeting to their death like the the 500 meter fall and um you know the melbourneite guy he's grabbed uh he, you know he's grabbed onto a bit of rope and the other and so that could have been the crux like they all hold onto a bit of rope and then they struggle up mm. but you know the sister's falling and he lets go and you can, i was like oh maybe he's going to sacrifice himself here and somehow save her or something yeah i didn't know i had no clue how that was going to work yeah. out and it was nice that it was shot that they just kind of fall into the debris and you don't see it at first you know <clears throat> but then even like after that <laughs> yeah. uh, it, the, the, the finger the the collapse hit down here the, the debris and a little puncture and it exploded and they flew out and his helmet you know Lou key's helmet was shattered and yeah. and she's trying to put a hand over the yeah, the, the whole shattered bits and and I was just going, okay, geez, come on, this is yeah, yeah. a little break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't. And it's a, it's a rocky ending there, but it. Yeah, but it was good that they just threw everything at them. They threw the whole, you know, like the screenwriters can talk about that. Like they threw, you throw the whole kitchen um, sink, the water, the everything at them. You know, like you don't hold back. And then when they survive that, they slip on the soap. That's right. <laughs> ah! So yeah, I thought it was really great, really good. And I mean, in terms of we we were sort of said the. Chinese culture, I think, is in this film, and it would be interesting to hear um, that perspective. I think so. If anyone's out there listening, uh, Chinese listeners, <laughs> yeah, of which we we must have so many of that. Yeah, we must have so many. They're probably rolling their eyes, laughing at us mm. now. That's right. But that pronunciation. That scene at the school at the start, <laughs> where the teacher says, "You know, spring is the beginning of hope," and then all the students, "Spring is the beginning yeah. of hope." As far as I know, that does not happen no. in any Australian school. No, it doesn't. Probably no Western school where, and they're all just chanting it. And it's, it's clearly just something they just, it was like just repeating this chant over and over, indoctrinating them with this idea. Yeah. Uh, that, that struck me. And then when she asked, what is hope? Yeah. Could you imagine, like, she was meant to be like 15, I think. Yeah. Or, or there were 16-ish. Could you imagine, say, in year 10, being asked in geography, Mark, what is hope? Hope you didn't ask me this. No. <laughs> what is this in the exam? But then she comes up with something. You're like, yeah, like, well I, done. That's yeah. So clearly, that's it's a different schooling system. I don't yeah. And and that does set the tone a little bit early on for me as it's going to be a little bit different. It is going to be, and it's nice. And it is a bit different. So they've tried to, and they've successfully made this. I think you know a big action sci-fi blockbuster. Mm. Ticks all the boxes. You said really grand sci-fi. You know, if you if you accept the fact that we can shift Earth, you know, and this is the dilemma, we have to shift it, but we can. We have the technology to do it. Well, then 
you're in for a real ride in this film. Like you're in for a roller coaster where you're going to be tense, you're going to laugh, you're going to kind of scream at them to move their butts and get... get <laughs> Quit talking. Them. You're going to be thinking, geez, what happens next? You're going to be going, uh, you know, who's going to survive this because it seems chaotic, you know? So you're going to be cheering them on at the end. Like it's that kind of blockbuster film. And I think they've done that very well. But intertwined is um, it's a Chinese point of view. That's what it is. Like there's just there's a cultural point of view. And I can certainly it's, see it's good. Like I had no issues with it. I think it was quite interesting. It's a point of difference. You know, we see so many American films, and it's a point of difference. I can certainly see why it got such a good box office rating in China. Yeah. Because if you could well imagine in China, they they get hit with American Hollywood yeah, films yeah. as well. Yeah. And then they get. Yeah, you imagine seeing this uh, trailer for this, what is clearly a, a big budget, smashing great movie based on a book by a Chinese author that won international renown. And, you know, it's like um, it was released on Chinese New Year and the film is set to start at Chinese New Year where this whole, you know, they're saying it's time for, you know, families to get together That's and he's retiring, he's going to go home on Chinese New Year. It's like this. It was it was a great big, um, uh, yeah, like yeah, like like uh, a big boost there for the Chinese people. Yeah, watching it, it'd be like you know having some big Australian. Well, Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. they did on Fourth of July. Right. You know, like, the, the, for the Americans. And here in Australia, we're kind of going Fourth of July is like in the middle of winter. Like, <laughs> oh, it, it's on. miserable and awful. Maybe, but yeah. You, yeah so it's great. Yeah, it was great. So let us know what you thought about it and what you thought about this podcast. Uh, definitely check out The Wandering Earth. Um, next episode, I'm going to pick Oblivion. Oblivion. It's something I have wanted to watch. With I've never seen Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise nearly got you. A Tom Hanks sci-fi would be interesting. I'm not Ooh. sure. Has he done one? Tom Hanks, if you have or you're going to, let us know. Oh, there is that movie I've never seen, Atlas Cloud, I think. Oh, yes. Probably sci-fi. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Yes, that is definitely sci-fi. It's I, very, very I, cool. I have never actually seen I've it. I've seen Tom it. Tom Hanks is in that, isn't he? So Yeah, you guys watch it. It's pretty cool. Or maybe we'll make it uh, an episode. But, um, yeah, so we'll have check that out if you want to check it out before tuning back in to us. And you get in touch with us at Space Brains Pod on Twitter. Space Brains Podcast is Facebook and Instagram. Sure is. Thanks for listening and see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye.